1: So Let's get back to what we actually wanted to talk about today and our plan to talk about today because it's kind of like Christmas Eve, man. Like, that's how Brian called me this morning, and uh, he's like, Hey, nothing, I just wanted to talk to you how about how excited I am for camp tomorrow. Like, that's it, gonna see, that's like, it. we're gonna see practice. Like, it was, it was one of the best phone calls Vince ever. He's
2: probably thinking he's like in trouble, like, Oh, what did I do now? <laughs> it was a I great phone call, yeah. Nope. This is. This is Christmas more, or Christmas Eve. Tomorrow is
1: Christmas morning. And uh, I'm very excited to see what we're going to see in fall camp and what we hope to see during fall camp. So we've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. This is a big season for Notre Dame, Brian. We have been talking about what we think the offense could be, what we hope the defense will be, yeah, all of those different things. If it all comes together like we think
2: slash hope that it will – this could be a big year for Notre Dame. Big year. Yeah. This is like like we just got done talking about the Matt Bayless stuff, but honestly, for me, it does not suck away. Like it's a gut punch at the moment. Right. But it doesn't change my excitement about what this football team is about to get into. I, I you know, partly because of what we just talked about is that that things were you know, he he got them through the offseason, which is the big part. There are so many. Th- this camp is is so intriguing, Vince, because mm-hmm. there's so much excitement. There's so much talent. There's so many new faces. There's so many guys that have been here for a while. It's like just yesterday, Joe Walt was the babyface freshman, and now he's like <laughs> a junior all-American. You know, nice. it's just like it's just so wild. Yeah. To think about, you know, there's there's excitement. The the quarterback situation. I mean, think about where that is compared to was there was. I mean, the entire the entire quarterback room from last year there's two faces that are familiar. It's the, it's uh, Steve Angeli and Dylan mm-hmm. Devison, right? Yeah. So uh, those are, Vince, you're going to have to turn off the chat, man, because <laughs> you're just like locked in, like just right. see your eyes scrolling. <laughs> um, but it, the, everybody else, everything else is new, new position coach, new starter, you know, Steve Angeli was like third last year and, You know, now he's, you've got Kenny Minchie's new, everything is different. There's other positions where that's a similar situation. There's just so many storylines and position battles. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where I look at and I say, you know, Vince, this is a situation where with, with two exceptions, Mm -hmm. I feel like they're in a position to be able to handle some stuff going bad at a lot of spots because of the depth of this team, too. Right. Sure. And, and, and obviously, quarterback and left tackle would be the two. And, and I think they'll have, be okay at left tackle. I, I just don't, you know, that, that's obviously a big drop off. You know, Toss sure. Baker's had a good offseason and we heard good things about, um, you know, we heard good things about, um, you know, what he did in the spring, we heard that you know he really took to Harry. He stands coaching last year and built on that with Joe Rudolph, and has had a really good spring. To the point where I've had sources talk about they even moved, you know, even discussed briefly the idea of kicking him inside and playing him at guard just because of how well he played. Thinking we got to find a way to get this kid on the field, but like no, nah, because if we have an injury at tackle, we we really need him at tackle. So, but you know, so but but it's still a big drop off from the best left tackle in college football to anyone else right at left tackle right so those are the only two positions but everywhere else you're like man i don't want to see anybody get hurt but this is a deep team too so there's just so many different storylines and so yeah. many things to be excited about but also a, a lot of questions and ifs that need to be answered too mm-hmm. which is the one thing that might give you a little bit of a pause about jumping completely on the complain for a championship you know bandwagon so man it, but but the thing is vince is now we get our time now's our time to, yes. to see it
1: because we've had these questions, a lot of these questions and a lot of the storylines and a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, they've been festering and we've been talking about them since before spring or just post spring, you know, all summer, all of those different things. And we finally get an opportunity to hopefully, if not get the questions answered, get a lot closer to an answer than we've been in June and July, right? I mean, that's, that's the because we're not going to get all the questions answered until we see some games being played. I mean, that's. That's the be all end all. It's not just about practice, but we're going to get a lot of things answered by what we see and what we hear about fall practice. And that starts tomorrow, which is the exciting part. Right. So how we are going to do this, Brian? We're going to talk about first the big the storylines going into fall camp. So like if we were newspaper men and we were coming up with the storylines, you know, the big typeface, what are the storylines? Going into the sp- or going into the fall, and I think the the biggest one, the overarching biggest headline of them all, is you, you know Marcus Freeman semicolon year two. You know, like what, what it what does that mean? Are we going to see uh, you know a different Marcus Freeman compared to last year? Like what does it look like for year two with Marcus Freeman? I think that's going to be a very interesting thing to see because there's a lot of things that he learned. Throughout his first year and his two bowl games that he's going to use, you know, moving
2: forward. Yeah, I mean, because you could put this in the question. And this is a part of our conversation before the show was like, we could put this into the question category of what's this team going to look like in year two of Marcus Freeman. But it's more of, you know, look, we saw growth already. And one of the storylines is is seeing what the team is going to look like. What are the differences in this camp between last year's camp? I'm very right. curious to see that, to hear your opinion on that fence from the practices you're at because, A, we're going to get a little bit more access this year than we did last mm-hmm. year. Not not a ton more, but more. So, But, like, yeah, more. Thanks to Notre Dame yeah. for that. But yeah, there's going to be enough in those. Because remember, last year you guys would talk about things you saw in the first five periods. You're like, yo, this is really different than what we've seen in the past. right? Sure. And, and that's when a coach can really put his – stamp on things is how we intact practice from the get go.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? And that's something that you guys notice. I want to see what differences you guys see this year. You go cuz I wasn't at camp in camp, at camp last year. So, oh I'm gosh, very curious right. to see what I, I forgot see about that. I, but I want to see what you guys talk about from it being different standpoint, yeah. you know? And and how does he implement, thank you? How does he implement mm-hmm. the lessons that were learned? My wife made me a hot tea cuz I didn't have time to do with all the craziness and she's sweet. <laughs> so, we saw lessons that he applied to his job in the second half of that year. How do they carry over into the off season? Were those sort of like emergency changes, but then you go, you go back to what it was before, you know, do that. How does he implement those into being part of his regular routine? Like those are all things we're going to learn. And they're going to be storylines yeah. about Marcus Freeman. Is he more engaged this fall camp? Cause I think I remember you telling me at the practice you guys were at, he was up, you know, kind of loving on everybody, but he was not really like super Engaged well, he's now a full year and a half into the being the head coach right. of Notre name Now, D- is that different now? Because you know, he's even said this. He said this in the interview t- with me, Vince, this summer. Is like uh, I'm looking at this for, as a situation of like, look, I kn- I didn't even know where to stand sometimes. Like, you know, I'm still trying to figure out where to stand when you're a coordinators, position coach, defense. It, it's yeah. easy, right? Right, and so you get back to all those things and and how to, how's that comfort level from an experience standpoint going to impact him in year two it's going to i'm just looking forward to seeing how it does and and how this football team looks different in year two under brian kelly or i mean (laughs) under marcus freeman having transitioned out of brian kelly because like when when we've seen like there's this narrative like you know year two coaches don't really thrive especially guys that are younger haven't had head coaching experience before and i'm just like you know bob stoops won a title in year two larry coker won a title in year one you know he was an older guy okay fine bob stoops is like 39 40 when he took over at at Oklahoma, won a title in year two, we've seen coaches do this plenty of times. And so he's got to come out and, and show that, Hey, I've learned from those mistakes. I've got the chops to be what everybody hopes I can be. Now let's go do it Yeah, because he's got a really good football team and, and he's got to make sure he's not the reason this football team doesn't reach its full potential. Well, yeah. And, and from a pragmatic standpoint, do they change the way that they've been kind of going after
1: practice? You know, do they do some things like that? Do you, you know, is he different with his coaches during the time that you know practice is going on? Because you know, is he more hands-on with those guys? Is he moving from group to group? Is he coaching up different position? Like all of those different things, right? And that's the tangible stuff that you can actually see. Because remember,
2: practice. in the Brian Kelly era, there'd be like these years where, like, okay, we now know what position coach position Brian Kelly's most worried about because he would be right there. He would just be like, remember that one yeah. year, was like, following the receivers around everywhere they went. Yep. Well, I thought CJ Proseis had a great story about that on lucky Lefty. If y'all didn't get a chance to listen to that last week, last week about how he would kind of, it wasn't always the best thing that he was jumping and trying to get involved. But, but oh, you yeah. see that with a head coach where you, you can kind of tell, and that's not a shot of Ryan Kelly, that that's, that's true of all head coaches. Like you, you kind of know what your, your areas of concern are and yep. you're going to make sure that you've got your eye on it. And yep. you know, last year with Marcus Freeman, it's kind of like, what's your area of concern? Well, I'm the biggest area of concern because I don't, <laughs> like, this is new. Now it's like, he's got that year under his belt. You can kind of sure. be more prepared to say, okay, now he's more comfortable to be in those things. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. What position yeah. groups does he, does he kind of, Oh wow, he's got his eye on this a lot. He's got his eye on that a lot. Where last year he kind of, from what you guys have said, he you know once practice started he'd kind of hover and, and yeah, and, and just like let the coaches coach and all that. I, it was a big picture take on things. I have you a feeling we're going to see a yeah. lot more engaged Marcus yes. Freeman in practices. I, I, well, I have no reason to to believe that other than just just kind of a gut feeling and well, just kind of how he was later in the year. Because even if you just look at games, Vince, how how. He was a different dude on the sidelines early in the year, like no doubt. You know, a lot of people got like, "Oh, he's just no no emotion." I'm like, "So right. what? Like that? If that's who he is, that's who he is, right? right? He's got to be himself." Well, then we saw down the stretch that maybe maybe he wasn't being himself when he was calm and poised the sideline, and we saw a guy right. with a lot more emotion, a lot more mm-hmm. energy, a lot more. Okay, that's the Marcus Freeman that that we that. That so we kind of knew, we was we knew about. Well. We see right. It in practice, right? Right. Yeah. And so we're going to see what that looks like in year two. That's obviously a big storyline. It's not yeah. the only one, but well, it's no, it's not. One. I want to. I want to add a little piece to this because
1: I have the opportunity to be basically at all the football camps, right, uh, in the summertime. And last summer, Marcus Freeman was there, but not really. You know that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. He he was whatever. And I, cause I do think this parlays to how he coaches as well. Like with his team this summer, he was like getting involved in the position drills. And I mean, he was right in there and like at the kicking camp, he was like right in the face of some of the kickers, you know, it's like, Hey, am I bothering you? Am I in your face? Is this more pressure for mm-hmm. you? Like, you know what I mean? Like he was just more personable and more involved in the day to day, like camp stuff, which he just looked looser to me. How about that? He looked looser and he felt looser with the kids and things like that. That's how I think he's going to be at practice. I think it's going to be more like that. Now, of course, he's going to know when to turn it up and do all of those different things as a coach does. Absolutely. But I feel like that's going to be the more ha- – I, I feel like he's more comfortable in the hands-on role, but now that he kind of has the big picture stuff taken care of, he's going to be able to be that more hands-on guy with the little stuff. Like that, that's how I feel like year two is going to go, but we're going to see, we're going to see. Yep. Yep. Another major headline, Jesse and I talked about this one, obviously was the signing, the commitment, however you want to say of Sam Hartman Uh, from January 5th on that has been the talk of the offense for Notre Dame. I mean, he is the supposed difference maker on the offense. And so what does the, The bringing on of Sam Hartman mean to this offense, mean to this team. I mean, that's that's a huge storyline. Yeah, we we would be having a completely different conversation if Sam Hartman was not on the roster going into fall.
2: I mean the dominoes that fell because of Sam Hartman, and, and not even just Sam Hartman, but the process of bringing in Sam Hartman. That right. process is why Drew Pine left. Yeah, because it wasn't even Sam Hartman at that point. Correct. It was just we're going to get a transfer, and, right. and then obviously he comes in. Tyler Buckner battles him all spring. Tyler works hard, does all that, but Sam is clearly the mm-hmm. the the guy. So that then Tyler leaves. I mean, you know, Sam is a big reason of the turnover in the roster, right? Sure. And it was and it was the. Commitment with Notre Dame saying, hey, look, we believe in this so much that we're willing to let these guys walk if that's their choice. Because as we've said all offseason, this Notre Dame football coaching staff believes that this is a team that's got a chance to be special. Mm -hmm. But they also knew that there was bigger question marks at at quarterback. I mean, they loved the attitude of Drew Pine and great backup quarterback. They love Tyler Buckner's potential, but they couldn't risk another injury Right. And and a in a lost year of development with this football team. And so they decided to make the change and and we've seen all the dominoes of default since. And this is the first time that we're gonna see Sam Hartman as the undisputed guy. Like we right. all knew he was eventually going to be the guy, but the Notre Dame staff very much played up the whole this is a position battle and he's gotta earn it. And there were sure. split reps in the spring. I mean, every time we ever saw them, Sam Hartman was the number one quarterback. Right. But there was still a splitting of the reps Mm -hmm. in those situations. Now he's the guy; Mm -hmm. he's taking the first team reps. He's the leader. He's the face. They don't have to worry about like anybody else's emotions. That everybody knows that's the leader, and that's important, Vince, for a football team. Because if Tyler would have stayed, they would have almost been obligated, and somewhat rightfully so, to do for Tyler what they did for Drew and Tyler in twenty, did for Drew last year. And then did in 2021 with Jack Cohn, where for the first week of fall camp, they kind of did the whole, you know, Tyler's getting one reps and Drew's getting one reps. And then eventually it was to Jack Cohn. Last year, Drew and Tyler split reps for like, what was like about a week? It wasn't very long, but it was long enough. I
1: mean, it was a few practices. Now it's
2: day one. The guys turn around. They know who the leader is of the offense. It's number 10. That's it. The quarterbacks know it. The players know it. The quarterback knows it. And not, not that it's, you know, well, you can't win if there's a quarterback battle. Well, that's not true. We've seen that happen, right, in, in past years. But it just, with this team, you want to get rid of any potential stumbling blocks whatsoever. There's no locker room dissension of this guy thinks it should be this guy. This player thinks it should be that guy. It's, that's our guy. Yeah, exactly. And I'm exceeded, excited to see what he's going to be able to do. It's going to right. be fun. And-
1: at the end of the day, is 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 five practices of a competition? You know, like they had last year. Is that the be all end all? No, but you're able to get going with what you want to get going with right away. And but that was the whole summer though, it. too, Vince. The whole that's summer. summer you're no, that's a good that point. Stuff. That's it's that's not just good, like spring ends. Yeah, you're, you're There's nothing
2: point. until the first five practices. It's all sure. summer. It's like okay, Tyler's battling. He's battling. Right. You know, Jack Cohn's battling. on sevens, battling, All of those race. different things. Yeah. Right. Now it's like okay Sam's the guy Sam's the leader Sam right. that, that's a, that's our general and,
1: and people know their role or they know what they're competing for behind him but it, the key is behind him <laughs> like that's right? that's the key and it's going to be fun to watch like I Notre Dame hasn't had like an incumbent
2: starter for a little while now and uh I'm okay with that like this is yeah, this is going to be good That's a good point not since 2020 Right right I mean Ian Book 2021, there we knew who it was going to be, but there was still a battle. 22, we all knew who it was going to be, but there was still a battle, right? I mean, so right, yeah. I mean, and the last time Notre Dame had that, they were a playoff team. Two of the last three times Notre Dame had a, you know, well, actually, I'd say the last time because 2018, same way, there was a battle: was Wimbush and Book, and you know, we we don't remember how that went, but yeah, last time they they did that, <laughs> they they were a playoff team. So we'll right. see if they can do that again this year. I'm not saying it's the reason for it. I'm just saying. It's it's just one of those things where you just want to remove as many stum- potential stumbling 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 blocks like the word stumbling as possible.
1: So another headline that we need to talk about is the departure slash arrival of coaches. I mean, right. the new coaches, and you know, we've talked about this before about you know keeping an eye on some of the new coaches and their responsibilities and what they're saying to the players and all of those things, but there's a good batch of of new coaches in very key positions, not that all the positions aren't key, but in very key positions, in my opinion, offensive lines, special teams, quarterback, like those, if I was ranking, like those would be towards the top of important positions to Vince, right? And so what is that going to look like? What are these new coaches going to bring to the table um, at Notre Dame? That's going to be a lot of like, that's one of the things I'm really excited to watch is what these new coaches are going to be able to do.
2: It's just, and it's, it's not so much, Oh gee, we're going to learn this. We're going to learn that. It's just, it's just different. It's just like, okay, I just, I want to see what's different. Right. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, Oh, this guy's better than that guy or is the other guy better than this guy. It's just, it's different. And And will this, how will the staff come together? Defensively, it should be pretty easy. I mean, there's really only one new coach on defense because I count Max Bull as a coach. The way that Notre Dame staff is constructed, Max Bull is the linebacker's coach. The same way Tommy Reese was the quarterback's coach in 2017, even though he was technically a GA. Right. He was still the linebacker's quarterback's coach. Max Bull is the linebacker's coach and and so you know how how is how how do the players take to him you know now that we've got a whole off season under our belt you know how does he mesh with Al Golden and and Al Washington and Chris O'Leary and Mike Mickens but that side of the ball you know they're a little bit more on the same page right offensively it's like okay the guys that were new last year are now the vets on this staff right I mean there's nobody that's been on these staff on offense more than now a second season right so like even though I'm excited about it, we, we really don't know what the staff is going to do because guys that are now stepping into leadership roles, like obviously Jared Parker, Dylan McCullough to a degree as he's now the grizzled veteran of the, of the, of the, of the, of the staff. Right. Yeah. Second year, but he's also like 50. I mean, so, so, and he's sure. got more of that track record right. where maybe his voice might be heard a little bit more this year than maybe it was last year. He was a new guy I and mean, you love the reputation, but you know, but Tommy was, in control of that room. And, and, and when coach Easton talked, nobody else did. Right. I mean, that, that's just, that's just the reality of it. Um, right. It, so now it's like, okay, how is, how does those work? Cause it could be, it could be really good because there's a lot of good strong voices, but then it could be bad if there, if there's not a hierarchy that the players sure. know, Hey, this is the guy. Cause one of the biggest issues of, in 2016 was the fact that Brian Kelly decided to give Ma- uh, Mike Sanford more control that season as opposed to letting Mike Denbrock run the offense and just having Mike Sanford kind of be the quarterback's coach. And this isn't meant to be a shot at Mike Sanford. It's, it's meant to be a shot at Brian Kelly because the structure was such that th- there was no, the players didn't always know who was in charge here. You know, like Mike Denbrock would say one thing, Mike Sanford say another thing, and then Brian Kelly right. would say something completely different than all three of them. I mean, Malikas talked about this on the show. And so, you just look at it and say, "There's got to be a respect for all the voices." Mark Marcus Freeman t- said that to me in the interview I did with him this summer. Of, you know, he respects the fact that Coach Parker values the fact that Joe Rudolph has been an OC, values the fact that Gino has been an OC, values the experience that Coach McCullough brings to the table. But when it gets on the field, there mm-hmm. has to be a thing where those coaches are like, "That's the boss. That's the guy," and then you know. It, that doesn't always happen that way so it's going to be very interesting especially when two of the guys were running an offense on their own a year ago right so how is that going to fall together is it it, it, if the faster it starts to click the better this this team will be sure i've heard great things about how well this offensive staff gets together when they are together but we'll find out i mean that's all we hear this i mean who who says oh yeah we hate each other this is terrible (laughs) I can't stand Scott. I can't we have three fights this summer. Can't like, even be in the same room with yeah, like him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so and so put the other guy in the rock bottom, and another guy got stunned, and you know, just it's been a while. <gasps> I mean, they're not going to tell us that, and right? We, right. You know, so we hear all the right things, but now we get to see if it it gets put to action, and that's yeah. going to be a thing. And I think that's also why having Sam Hartman is important because you know that when you're on the field, you, you know who the leader is. It's right. it's number ten. Right. You don't necessarily have to look at the coaches all the time for that because number 10 is like okay I'm speaking now right and we're gonna go and that's why it's important when you do have a coaching situation like Notre Dame has where there's uncertainty about this guy that guy the other guy that the players kind of know mm-hmm. yes but we know when 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 that ball gets placed and it's time to go to work we know who we're following it's not Marcus Freeman it's not G, you know Gino Godouli it's not Jordan Parker Dylan McCullough Chancy Stuckey or Joe Rudolph it's Sam Hartman mm-hmm. it's Joe Alt. It's Zeke Carell. it's Audrick. it's those guys, and that's an important piece, and that's why the leadership is so important. The team leadership is so important because mm-hmm. it can mask that. What killed them in 2016 is they didn't have that, right? Because the biggest, lead, the best leader they had, they decided to make the number two quarterback right that year, and the worst leader they had, they made the, the starter. Is the number one quarterback, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so it, it you know, you're not going to have those kind of issues,
1: yeah. Another headline that has dominated, I would say, uh, a lot of headlines. Uh, if you're not talking about Sam Hartman, is the defense and yeah. what they're going to be able to do. I mean, if, if anybody has question marks about this team, it, it we uh, we hear linebacker, we hear safety, we hear <laughs> we hear Al Golden, we hear Al Wash. I mean, it, it's like pick a defensive topic, and th- right. then we're there, right? And so, I think that this defense can put a lot of things together and be a very good I mean they were a good defense good to very good last year they were terrible in the red zone they were good to very good to everywhere else now they got to clean up the red zone we know this can they take the steps to become a very good to elite defense that is a major question going in that's for sure you know Vince it's it's
2: one of those things where I'm just I'm just—it's not even a question for any, me anymore. It's, i just want to know. I just want to see it, right? Because we've been talking all off season. You know, we went through our our periods of grief after the season, right? You know, our our, our points of grief, and what that is is for a football <laughs> analyst is it's the emotional reaction to a disappointing season, which last sure. year was. There's yep. no Fns or buts about it. When you lose, when you go nine and four at Notre Dame, that's disappointing. Absolutely. When that nine and four includes losses at home to Marshall and Stanford, that's disappointing. Yep. When it includes an 11-point loss to your rival, no matter the context of how it happened, it's disappointing. Now, you ended up with a good good win in the bowl season. That's all fine and dandy, but 9-4 and four is not good enough. And, and I don't know anyone in the program that, that will tell you that. And if they do, they need to no longer be part of the program. Right. That's just the way I look at it. And then it gets into, okay, now let's go back and look at what happened and say, boy, this has got to get better. But usually when you're doing that, Vince, you'll start to say, you know what, this part was actually a little bit better than I thought it was, mm-hmm. and it starts giving you a little bit of optimism if they can address A, B, C, and D that this thing has a chance to be pretty good, and that's kind of where I'm at with the defense is there are certainly things that need to be addressed. Sure. We'll have some questions. That, you know, Some of the big questions are on defense, the defensive side of the ball. However... There's also a lot of really good things we saw last year that you can build around. And that's something I'm very much looking forward to this yeah. season is just, oh yeah. but it's just like, okay, it's just time to see it. We've, we've talked about, we've talked about the linebackers and the defensive mm-hmm. line and the safeties. And we've, we've talked about it to death. Now it's time to see it. Right. What, what are they going to be? Right. And, and what that answer is, is going to be one of the dominating stories of spring of fall camp. It, yes. it just is, is what does this unit look like? Like, I'll be honest with you as much as, we are, and this is a little bit of a sneak peek into sort of the what to look for. I'm just going to give you a little a little glimpse into that. Some of y'all are, I hope that some fans in here are freaking out after the first week of camp. Mm-hmm. And here's what I mean by that. I know exactly where you're going with this. Yep. The offense is going to struggle. This is mm-hmm. going to be a bad year because the yep. offense is getting dominated in the practice. They, they win some one-on-ones, but whenever they go to the team, the defense dominates. This is not good. No, that's actually great. Yes, Because if your offense is dominating your defense in the first week of fall camp, your defense is going to suck. That or you've got the 2019 LSU offense. Right now, I'm talking about in team. One-on-ones is a different story, Vince, because it's just man-to-man. It's it's, I'm better than you and whatever. But when you get to like seven-on-seven, but especially team, you want the defense to be ahead of the offense at least for the first week of fall camp. And, you know, that's going to cause people to freak out about how the, the offense is not, you know, as good as it needs to be or whatever. But that's a sure. good sign for the defense. Yes. And that's, uh you know, that's kind of what I'm looking to see. So we're going to see how that all plays out. Yeah. We'll I'll
1: save my part. comments about what you just said for the yeah. what to look for, because I've yeah. got plenty to say about that. And it's it'll be it'll be fun uh, because that yeah. stuff doesn't make it onto the highlight reel usually. So, you know, it, but it's very telling. So. Yes. The defense is a headline. No doubt about it. Final headline that we're going to talk about in this particular segment is the wide receivers. And I think that's the biggest question mark going into, you know, fall camp for the offense. And if you're you or me or a lot of the people that follow this team, they're very confident in what the talent level is like in the wide receiver room. If you're looking at this team from a national standpoint, it's, They got nobody to throw the ball to. There's nothing there. It's all a bunch of kids who don't know what they're doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I am excited to see what this wide receiver room looks like at practice because that is going to dictate what this offense is going to be. I mean, it just is, right? I mean, it's going to dictate what this offense is going to be. So what's the relationship like with Sam Hartman? What's the relationship like with whoever QB two is? Are they running good routes? Are they beating the elite defensive backs that we know that Notre Dame has? Like, what are the one on ones like? There's just you a know. lot of questions surrounding this wide receiver room. I think I've
2: got some good answers for them, but right. you still need to see it with your own eyes. So, Vince, I, I did a uh, finishing up our position previews, and I put out quarterback and wide receiver today. OK, and here's a couple of things I wrote in the quarterback preview, and I think it sums it up, the excitement, but the questions, because there, mm-hmm. there's no group that. And this is why the storyline is going to be so important, because it's a very important position group, but there's still a lot of unknowns. And and I I, I said this, I said, look, um, this is how I started the article. And then I'll read another part that I kind of had at the beginning. Notre Dame has a chance to be a much improved offense in 2023. But if the fighting hours are going to reach their full potential, the wide receivers have to produce at a much higher level than they did a season ago. The talent is there to do just that, but we'll find out if this group has what it takes to make the big plays and big moments and show their talent on a consistent basis, right? And I talked about how we're going to find out about Chancey Stuckey, and this is one of the, the, the key storylines of the receiver position. My number one key story line is, can can, can Chancey Stuckey push the group forward? Sure. And I wrote this, there's no doubt the position coach Chancey Stuckey has showed he is a big-time recruiter. Now in his second season with the Irish, he must show he is also a big-time position coach. His wideout showed good progress in year one, but his biggest test comes now. There is talent at that position, but it must be developed, and that's up to Stuckey. And so that's the storyline, right? So sure. I mean, this guy has knocked it out of the park as a recruiter. I mean, knocked it out of the park. I mean, big-time hire he did a solid job in his first year as a position coach mm-hmm. it was significantly improved over what it was but if you take out what it was and just look at what it what it what it is it was a solid job not great solid job they got better as the year went on That's the key, right? Jaden Thomas got better as the year went on. Deion Colsey went from not getting on the field at all to making some pretty big plays down the stretch, right? third downs, yeah, absolutely. Braden Lindsay became a much better route runner as a fifth-year senior than he ever had uh, in prior years. So you saw growth, but now it's about taking that next jump, not only technically, but mentally. Because I'm going to circle back to that first part, Vince, and, and the comment that i made is this the towns there to do that but we'll need to find we'll find we'll we'll need to find out if this group has what it takes to make the big plays and big moments and you and i both know you can ha- be a receiver that has seven catches for 120 yards but you didn't make the one you needed when your team was down 34-31 at the end of the Ohio State game and it was third and 10 and you sure. needed to go make that game winning play to win the game that's the difference between yeah you put up good numbers but you're not a winner. And that's the thing where I've always loved about Will Fuller. Everybody talked about Will Fuller at inconsistent hands and all that, but you know what? I never remember Will Fuller not stepping up in a big moment, especially in 2015. I mean, you think of the Virginia game, making that game-winning touchdown grab against Virginia. You think of the game-winner against against Temple. You think of the the big, huge touchdown against USC, where USC was kind of – they had kind of dominated Notre Dame the year before, I mean – kind of dominated uh, they thoroughly early. dominated no name the year before it's awesome and this play was awesome they go, they go right down the field first drive just boom 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 here we go again can't still can't stop usc right they did this to us every single drive last year and they're doing the same thing to us now and then will fuller answers back boom smokes a dory jackson for a uh, play. Like, i'll never forget he it. he was always ready to step up in a yeah. big moment and that's what i loved about will fuller yeah, And that's what we don't know. I, there are guys in their name that I think can put up big numbers this year. Sure. But will they put up money numbers? We're going to find out. Fall yeah. camp won't tell us that. Fall camp's going to tell us who is going to be on the field to give us a chance. But Correct. we should start to see it a little bit. Because remember, before 2018, one thing we reported on in the spring and fall camp was, I'm actually very excited about this receiving core. Yeah, I know you lost that like, when he was St. Brown, and I know Miles Boykin only has like 19 career catches going into a senior year. And he, you know, yeah, he had the nice bowl game, but he's never done anything else outside of that. I know this, I know that. But man, we watched in fall camp Vince, as Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin just beat Julian Love like he was a step kid. I mean, you know, redheaded stepchild, right? You know what I mean? For those who, yep. who understand that reference, I mean, <laughs> they pounded him daily. And there was just nothing that Julian could do about. It. Troy. Troy Pride had a little bit better success, but even he was like, "Man, I, what am I supposed to do against these guys?"
1: Well, and I, I remember thinking to myself, "To see it uh, is Julian Love, who we think he is." Like
2: <laughs> there was, and he was because there... he went
1: out an All American season, but of course, yeah. But that that but in fall camp was like, "Oh dang!" Like either these receivers are really good, yeah, or Julian
2: just took a step back, right?
1: And you we know, found out dead.
2: Julian did not take a step
1: back. No, he did not. <laughs>
3: he
2: did, no, not, he did not. No. He was still really good. And, and sure. you know, we almost kind of went, oh, man, is, is Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison as good as we thought? Because Deion Colsey is killing them right now. Yeah. Tobias Merriweather and Jayden Thomas are killing them right now. Like, I don't know if these safeties are going to be any good, man, because Chris Tyree's killing them right now. You kind of hope to see that. To sure. With the
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. And so. It's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see how the wide receiver core do, does, and one on ones is gonna be a big part. Teams gonna be a big part. All of it. Speaking of one on ones and team and all of those different things, we're, we're gonna move on to a different topic here, and that topic is position battles, and that's yeah, the best part. These are about fun. fall camp. I mean, let's be honest. I mean that there's position battles that take place in the spring. Sometimes things are settled. Most of the time, not so much. Fall camp. You got to settle some of these positions. You got to, well, you got to settle all of them, right? And so there's going to be some fun ones. And, and we've talked about all of them, but we're going to, we're going to highlight them and let you know the position battles that are up for grabs. So number one, obviously the guard spots yeah. and
2: what we well, the, can. Let's just ahead. say the first set of battles we're going to talk about are ones for actually a starting job. Okay. I yes. actually think some of the more interesting battles are actually oh. easy, like number two jobs, but we're yes. going to first focus on the ones where, a starting guard. position could be <clears throat> up for grabs. And- I, I look at those number two jobs as like, those
1: are, those are yes. battles, man. Who like,
2: steps up as the numbers yeah, go back? Yeah. Well, like, we, we do got yeah. starters we got to figure I, out. Starters, I know, right? but like
1: some of those are more enticing to me than the starters, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about guard. We think we know that one guard spot is pretty much locked down in Billy Shrouth. I, I mean, I don't want to give people, you know, a false narrative. As long but, as he
2: builds on what he did this correct. spring, there's
1: no there's no question yet. Right. So that's left guard. Right guard is a different conversation. So you've got Andrew Kristofik. You've got Rocco Spindler uh, as the two main guys battling that out. And then I know there's a couple of other guys that they're going to give a shot to to see where they're at. But I think it's those two guys
2: primarily, right? Yeah. I mean – Like, I'm trying to think, like, you know, I could convince myself of Charles Jagasaw and maybe Ashton Craig. I mean, there could always be some breakout player. Sure. Right? But it's – Yeah, I'll say this. If they get into a situation where they're thinking about moving somebody else there to battle – That's a problem. It's probably a problem. Now, could, like – let's say Michael Carmody is finally healthy and has put on 15 pounds. I could see him then all of a sudden thrusting himself in this conversation because Michael Carmody is a talented kid, but he's 280 pounds. Yeah. And he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Right. Right. But he's a talented kid. If the light goes on and he can put on the weight and keep the weight on and, and stay healthy, he could all of a sudden force himself into that conversation. Like Charles Jack could can do that. I just, I think right now it's really, it's, it's, it's Rocco and Andrew and then, yeah. And then here's the question, Vince, is it just a battle for the starting right guard job or is it a situation where you, cause here's this, okay. Somebody has got to start. There's three, there's three scenarios. Well, somebody has <laughs> got to start. Nobody really won the job, but I got to start somebody. We can't, you know, I know Lou Holtz did that once in practice to prove a point, but you can't th- throw four linemen out there, right? right. So, I mean, somebody doesn't right. win the job. You still got to put somebody out there. Correct. So are you putting somebody out there just because they be the least were desirable. the worst of the guard? <laughs> they were the best of the bad guard right. play this spring? Yes. Uh, is it a situation where one guy clearly seizes the job because of how well he plays? That's option two. Mm-hmm. Here's a third scenario. And this is the one I'm, I'm hoping that we see, Vince, actually. The third scenario is the guys in the battle. Right now, we anticipate it being Rocco Spindler and Andrew Kristofic. Andrew Kristofic has the experience. Rocco has the size and power. We're going to see which one wins. My hope is that they get to the end of the spring, and it's kind of similar to what Coach Eastman went through in 2017, which is, yeah, I, I. it's not that I don't have confidence in Tommy Kramer or I don't have confidence in Robert Hansey, but they're just both playing like starters. Yeah. And so I'm going to play them both to where maybe you get in a situation where you say, hey, love what Rocco's doing. He's earned the right to start. Man, I love what Andrew Kristofik has done. He's earned the right to start and or play. Well, there's one guy in this battle that has played right guard, left guard, and right tackle in a Notre Dame uniform, and that's Andrew Kristofik. So you get in a situation where you say, hey, look, Billy's done a great job. He's still a redshirt freshman. Rocco's doing a great job, but he's still a newcomer. I don't know that either one of those guys I want to have to put out there for every single snap of every single game because we've got this guy in Andrew Kristoff who's shown that he's a starting caliber player too, but he could actually be a swing guy. Mm. So let, let's say the first two series are your starters, and then series three, you know, Rocco win, wins the job, right? Rocco, that first two series, boom. Third series, Andrew goes in at right guard for Rocco. Fourth series, Rocco comes back in, and Andrew goes over to left guard and gives Billy Stroud a spell, and then series five, you're back to your starters, and then you kind sure. of go that way. Bit of a three-man rotate, three for bingo. two. Bingo, bingo. Yeah. And now here's the thing: if that's going to happen, Vince, it's got to happen early, because you can't go into you know you don't oh well, you you could especially the way the schedule kind of shakes out that you actually have three of your first four games are games you can kind of experiment a little bit sure but you better have that figured out by game three when you head down to Raleigh for NC yeah. State right but you at least have a couple games where it's not Ohio State in week one like last year but you need to figure it out sooner rather than later because you need to practice that if you're going to do that you need to practice that right absolutely. Joe Wall you don't decide that week one okay well he hasn't done it all off spring or all fall camp but we're just going to throw Andrew over there to left guard now get ready for the Navy game Mm -hmm. With all the zero pressures and fires and craziness they bring, you better have practiced that so there's some communication with those guys. So sure, that's kind of my dream scenario is that all three of those guys have great fall camps, and they just decide, look, these guys all got to play. Sure. And because Andrew has started games at both positions or has at least played both positions, he started eight games in his career at left guard. Right. But he's also played right tackle in a Notre Dame uniform. He's also played right guard at Notre Dame, or at least has the spring and summer. You say, Andrew can do both of these, and he can help us out with both of these. So now we're getting all three of them some reps, and they're all three bringing value to to, to help us win football games. Sure. And there may be some games where Andrew's riding a hot streak, or maybe his skill set's a little better suited for what you're about to face. Sure. Maybe he, you ramp up his reps a little bit. And then there's games where it's like, look, we're playing big boy football today. This is more Rocco and Billy's thing, and so maybe they get a little bit more reps. But you still have that three-man rotation. I think there'll be some value in that. I'm, and I'm not usually a guy that likes rotating linemen. But if one of them's a veteran player, you can do that. Like you can rotate two guys of the same position. I'm talking about a guy rotating in at multiple spots. Is what I'm referring to. I'm not in love with that, unless you got the right kind of guy. And I think Andrew Kostofa can be that kind of guy. Smart. He's experienced. He's started eight games. Yeah. I think he's mature. I think he can handle that kind of thing. Now he could also just outright win the right guard job. That that could also be true. Oh, absolutely. but I just, I kind of have this desire of seeing all three of them have such great falls that you're just like, we got to find a way to get all of them on the field.
3: Hmm. I don't know
2: why I feel that way, Vincent, that way, yeah. but I that would that would kind of make it that would be very interesting to see if that, sure. that way. I'm not saying it's going to happen. This is just us talking what we're looking to see, you're right? Right. That's not like intel me. that you're getting yes, that's correct. just you
1: talking about what would be interesting on the offensive line,
2: right? I'm not like dropping a hint. This coach told me this, and i, <laughs> I, I right. Uh, but I think it would be really cool. And it, it would make me feel like something's emerged, right? Sure. If someone's um, some guys have emerged and you start feeling really good about where Notre Dame's going to be. So that's going to be an interesting one. So another different one, we're going to, we're going to jump to the other side of the ball and we're going to, we're going to talk
1: big end. And this is one that doesn't get a whole lot of publicity, uh, a whole lot of airtime, if you will, uh, at, at big end. What what are your thoughts there as far as who's in contention who, you know, what what's what's the
2: pecking order over there? That's the question. We don't know, right, Vince? I mean, there, we know who's going to play at Big end this year, barring good, assuming good health. We know we're going to see Nana sure. or Safa Mensa, and we know we're going to see Javante Jean-Baptiste. Like, they put all the dudes with, like, three names over at Big end, <laughs> right? So, like, if you have three names, <laughs> you you're going over in. there. Get right. Dig right. Dig Myron yeah. Tungvaloa Mosa was there a couple <clears throat> years ago. Right. right? Um, like Riley Jones was there last year, you know, so, um, you know, so, but, (laughs) but you're putting all the, you're putting those veteran players there and you're saying, okay, you guys are basically barring injury. Somebody just completely having a terrible fall camp or somebody just, whoa, where'd this guy come from? Yeah. Right. Those are your two big ends. The question is going to be who's the starter Yeah, and who plays the majority of the reps, or is it going to be like a split role type of thing? And then we get back to the guard debate. Is it a split role type of thing because nobody's emerged as the guy? Sure. Or is it a split role type of thing because they both played so well that you're like, man, they're both playing at a high level. Nana's a little better here. Javante's a little better here, so we're going to be able to match up effectively depending on what teams do. I don't know the answer to that, Vince, but yeah. that's the battle. And then are there any freshmen that emerge that kind of push them? And does Armel Mukum or Bubakar Traore kind of come out in fall camp and say, hey – you don't know about me, Brennan Vernon. Brennan Vernon, same deal. Hey, yeah. hey, you you better bring it today because mm-hmm. uh, you know. I mean, do do they decide to put somebody else over there to compete with those guys? I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but we don't really know who the big end is going to be. We know Good who the call. contenders are, sure. But who wins that job? Who earns that job? Oh, that's that's going to be a big big question mark, and it's going to be a key to this defensive line really reaching its full potential. If your big right. end is just kind of a, a guy, just a body then you're, you're going to have a harder time putting a really elite defense on the field when you're playing the best teams in your schedule. Mm-hmm. You need those guys to be able to make plays. Yep. They got to penetrate. Just they got to make plays. Think they about gotta, the yeah. best, the best nerd teams we've seen in recent years. You had an NFL pick at every single one. I mean, you had Stefan Tuitt in 2012, right? 2015, you had Isaac Rochelle, who was an NFL draft pick. In 2018, you had Khalid Kareem. And in 2020, you had Adi Kumba Ogandiji. They were all very good football players and NFL football players is Nana and Javante an NFL player right now. No, they're not. Can they work themselves into maybe being that kind of guy? Possibly. So we're, but we're going to see, we're going to see who can step up. That's going to be a very interesting, very interesting position battle. It's going to fly under the radar though, a little bit too. Like I don't, I don't
1: see that being a headliner for a lot of the outlets that you are. Paying attention to this, you know what I mean. I I just feel like big end is going to be something that's not brought up very often, but you know, a position that is going to be brought up a lot it's will linebacker.
2: Yes, that one is going to garner some headlines. I don't. Here's the biggest question, Vince, about the will linebacker position is it even going to be a position battle? Are they even going to allow anybody to to push Maris for the job, or is it just, well, these are our starters and you guys have got to prove? I mean. That's yeah. that's that was probably my biggest frustration with Coach Golden last year was this notion of well, these are the starters, and the young guys got to prove themselves even like they, it's like the younger players at Notre Dame, it was this it was true of Al Golden last year, and it was true of some Brian Kelly offensive teams in years past, where it's almost like the younger players were held to an even higher standard than the uh, veteran players. If a young guy went in there and made a mistake, it was get him out and you're not playing anymore. Right. But then the veteran could go in there and make that same mistake, and it's like, well, no, no, it's okay. He's a veteran. He knows better. Exactly. Well, oh, so he so should true. know. Exactly. He does know better, which is why is he making that mistake? I don't know that they're even going to allow the younger players to push for a starting job. We're I don't know the answer to that. I am very curious to see if, like, the first few practices we're at, if it's just Maris taking all the first team reps. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because for me, I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to let him know day one. You, 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 you better not get comfortable. You got to prove yourself. That's what they should be doing, and I hope he does. Because I'm not someone who says Maris needs to be on the bench. No, Maris needs to not play if he plays like he did last year. I'm still kind of like fingers crossed, holding out hope that he. Me too. It's back to being the guy that we saw in the past, or at least the guy we heard about in the past. But even the guy that you guys saw in spring practice mm-hmm. in 2021, where everybody that was at it was spring practice that it was, was the like, beginning of fall camp. camp. And fall camp. Yeah. Yeah. Because he had a good spring too. And they're like, this sure. guy's going to be really good. And then yeah. it turns out he, he wasn't because he got hurt. You know, and because best case I mean, scenario for Notre
1: Dame is, is Marist is, is he hits his ceiling. Like that's absolutely best case scenario, right? And mm-hmm. I know people are gonna probably argue with that and, and think that he's washed up and he can't do it and all of these different things. And okay, I get that. But I also don't want it to just be gifted to him because he's a veteran. Right. Like that that is not what he I want to see. Knows
2: the defense. Right.
1: right. Like I don't I don't want to see that. No, I don't, I don't want to see that. And that'll be very disappointing if that's the case. it will be very disappointing. But again, we're gonna have to see it. And so I'm I am hoping that this is a position battle that we have to take very seriously and that the coaches are taking very seriously. And again, if Maris just takes it and, and, and is the guy, awesome. That's great. Like I said, that's best case scenario.
2: But if but not, it needs to be that, not because they've exactly. convinced themselves, hey, exactly. we saw some flashes, so we're willing to accept the fact he's not making plays or he makes a lot of mistakes. It, right. it needs to be a battle. And then make him win it. Because if he has to win it and it's a real battle and he has to win it, it means you can have greater confidence he's ready to play to the, his potential as a player. Right. Exactly. If you just hand it to him, then where's the accountability? What, what how do you You know what I mean? And then right. whoever, if he doesn't play well, then you didn't get the necessary work in for the guy that that you're going to want to step in and replace him. Yeah. So we we better see a lot of either Jack. And I don't care if it, it doesn't have to be young guy. No, you can say, hey, we're going to put Jack Kaiser over there. I, okay. I mean, you know, because because of how often we're going to be a nickel anyway. Right, and and we play so many teams that want to spread it out and throw it. We we don't need like a big boy li- linebacker lineup as our starting. Okay, fine, whatever. If it's Nolan Ziegler, if it's Jalen I if it's Drake Bowen, if it's Jalen – I don't care. It just it needs to be a legitimate battle where the best man wins, and other men are given the right. opportunity to win. Exactly, and it's not a fluff battle like we've right. seen in the past. Right, right. so.
1: We're going to stay on the defensive side of the ball, Brian, and and the other big battle and a, a legit battle at this point, because they, they had to bring in a transfer to battle that spot out, is the nickel position. And what is that going to look like? Because there are, in my opinion, there's a bunch of bodies that, that could potentially be nickel. Depends on how they want to do it. And, and to be honest with you, it depends on how often they're going to be a nickel. Because I do think they're going to be a nickel an awful lot. And I think this position yeah. ends up being very, very important.
2: Yeah. It's going to be huge. First of all, it was one of the – Tariq Bracey was one of their best defenders last year. Agreed. He doesn't get talked about a lot because, I mean, usually by the time the guy's a fifth-year senior, people have made their opinions of him, of a player. And the, it, barring a Joe Burrow-type senior breakout, they don't, sure. they don't get out of that. People are already asking if Rico Flores is, is, has been passed up and he's done. Correct.
1: Like, like you know what I mean? That. So my, no, my point is that one like. One person, but yes, I, I but, you, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like out of sight, out of mind. A
2: guy, right. <laughs> right. So, exactly. but he was incredibly important last year's football team. Oh my gosh. And yes. now you're, now you're having to replace him in a year where the nickel position is even going to be more important or, or at least more needed this year, even than it was last year. You know, because when you when you look at the obviously Ohio State still on the schedule USC still on the schedule Clemson's on the schedule but Clemson's going to be even more of a of a attack the perimeter defense this year sure. with with the more experienced receiving core the new offense that they're going to play and and the thing about Clemson is they're not just going to attack you on the perimeter with the pass game they're going to do it with the screen game and the run game as well which puts a great deal of pressure on the nickel and now you've got NC State hi- hires Robert and I and he was part of that Virginia offense a couple of years. He was not part of, he was the coordinator for that Virginia sure. offense that a couple of years ago, lit the world on fire, you know, and, and Notre Dame shut him down, but Notre Dame didn't have to face that offense with, with Brendan Armstrong back. Yeah, right. Brendan Armstrong didn't play in that game. And, and that game was an anomaly. I mean, they threw for at least 268 yards in every other game and at least 329 yards in all, but two games that year, the two games happened to be Notre Dame when that guy didn't play. And then, Uh, 268 was the next lowest in a win over Miami. I mean, they had 423 yards, 553, 407, 487, 396, 364, 372, 487. A week after Notre Dame held them to 196 yards without Brendan Armstrong the next week at Pitt, the team that won the ACC championship, their quarterback throws for 487 yards you know, like that, you're facing that offense this year with right. that quarterback. Brendan Armstrong has followed him to NC State. Right. Duke's right. going to be an athletic spread team. Louisville, we all know Jeff Brom is a throw it all over the field kind of guy. Wake Force offense is a throw it all over the field kind of team. So now all of a sudden, you, you're going to have, your nickel's going to basically be your starting defense. Correct. And so is that going to be Jack Kaiser playing Rover? Or is it going to be Jack maybe inside? Is it going to be the nickel? I, I don't know the answer to that but it, part of that's going to be determined by does the, is anyone at nickel prove themselves to be one of your 11 best players right and i know the coaches love clarence lewis but mm-hmm. there's a reason they went out and got thomas harper sure and you know he missed a lot of the spring at least from at least from a context standpoint because of the shoulder injury he suffered at oklahoma state but he was excellent at oklahoma state held opponents to about an about an 8 percentage point lower percentage point completion rate last year than tariq he held teams to about, or held opponents about a, a full yard lower of yards per attempt. And he was like a yard and a half lower than Tariq in yards per target. So as good as Tariq was last year, Thomas Harper was even better from at least a statistical standpoint. Now, can he do that at Notre Dame? Different defense. We're going to find so, that out. But they need they need one of those guys to, and hopefully both of those guys to really step up and and ball out and say we can go nickel as our base defense right and and be just fine right have to
1: this next group and and we're going to kind of not fly through it but at the same time like this this is the the battles for number two essentially and i think these are the most intriguing battles on the field personally uh quarterback running back tight end linebacker what's that rotation going to look like who are the next guys on the field at corner like that? None of those are set in stone at this point. And I think would say,
2: this, think about that? this. Okay. We're probably going to get as many questions about how the backup quarterbacks are playing. Yeah. Than any, than most starters. Mm-hmm. And and it's a position that we all hope never has to take a meaningful snap all season. Correct. Hope. Right. But it's probably, I mean, I guarantee you people, well, I, I shouldn't guarantee. I hope that our fans are, have you know have, have learned enough about the game that they have a greater appreciation for guard play and things like And I sure. think that I think
3: our I think our chat do. has
2: evolved a lot, and yes. I think it's the, the quality of the football minds in our chat that we you know, we get people asking those questions more and more and more. And so, but in most years, the backup quarterback job in a situation like this is gonna get more discussion than starting at other positions, and and certainly the way that Notre Dame plays in the positions that we're discussing, who steps up as number two is very important. Oh my gosh. Because yes. in a lot of these positions, Vince, it's not a, it's not like quarterback because quarterback will get a lot of the discussion, but hopefully the starting quarterback or the backup quarterback doesn't have to play a meaningful snap all year. It's just nothing Correct. but a bunch of mop up duty.
1: It'll get a lot of pub, but not a
2: lot of snaps at the end. of right. the Right. Hopefully. Well, I hope they get a lot of snaps, but well, I just hope they're all
1: right. right. Starter
2: snaps. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. You but who I mean. wins the number two running back job? That's the, who, Most who's the number team. three corner? Yeah, you know who's who's the number two you know, at at on the defensive line. Who's the number two viper? And and does that guy force himself onto the field? I mean, there's all these very interesting questions about these position battles. Who's the number two tight end?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I mean, the, the, these are going to have a lot more impact as far as the number two running back, the number two tight end, the number two. I say I say number two corner, but it's really like number three. Like it's it's like you it's, know, the. It's the it's the twos, like right. Who are the twos? You know, right. Yeah. Who 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 steps up as the starter at safety, and then who becomes the rotation guy? Those are some of the the, the who who steps up and is the number two at linebacker because right. the number twos at linebacker are going to play. They're yes. going to be part of the rotation. They're not just going to sit the bench all year. Who are I, those guys? I'm not.
1: Those be I'm not, not trying, be yeah, I, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here or make some crazy statement or whatever.
3: But, but you're gonna. <laughs> yeah,
1: of course, I am. So who wins these, these backup jobs, these number two jobs, these rotational jobs, yes. whoever wins these jobs and how the, how they're won will determine how good this team is, though. It, it's going to determine whether this is a championship-level team because that's just the way college football is these days. You've got to have depth. And, and you and I have had this conversation on shows before. Notre Dame's had top-level talent before. They've had it. They just haven't had the depth. Mm -hmm. And that kills them in big games. Okay. They've got the depth and what, who's going to win out in those, in those depth, uh, you know, battles is going to be huge. It's going to, it's going to tell the tale about who this team is. I'm telling you that is going to be the difference between a championship caliber team. And just, you know what? These guys are really good. You know, know? it's the depth and it's going to be fascinating to see who wins these jobs. Absolutely fascinating.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE.
2: Very much so. And also, Vince, here's the reality. I'm just preparing y'all for this. Someone's gonna get hurt in Fall Camp. <sighs> Someone's gonna get hurt in September. Right. It's just football. I know. I mean, I don't like it. You're not wrong. It's not it could it's not necessarily gonna be a starter. Maybe it's a backup. Last year, Avery Davis goes down again. It's huge that was, blow. That was huge, huge blow. Yeah, and and then Joe Wilkins gets hurt again, and sure. all of a sudden, all year – I mean, look, I don't know that the pass game would have been a whole lot better, but I promise you that it would have been better early with Avery. I mean, Avery Davis could have been the difference in maybe beating Stanford, maybe Absolutely. beating Marshall, because he was a no doubt. What, what is the one thing that we knew about Avery? He may not catch a lot of passes. But when a big play was needed, a third and five, a, a late in the game, we he had a track record of stepping up in those moments. We know that about Avery. Well, when he went out, you didn't have that guy. You're now hoping Lorenzo Styles can be that guy, and he proved that he wasn't. Right. And and so those are all going to be part of, because, like, look, y'all y'all can say don't say that, but it happens. It literally happens. Right. It, and, it's and, gonna happen. And look, Brian's saying it, it and 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 uh, that correlating to something happening like let's be adults
1: sure. here.
3: Like
2: well, I, mean, okay. I, I think people get that. <laughs>
3: <But> the reality <laughs> is is
2: it's just it's gonna happen and here's yeah. the thing, it's gonna happen to Ohio State. It's gonna happen Absolutely. to Sama. it's gonna happen to Clemson, it's gonna happen to Georgia, it's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna get hurt. Hopefully, you, you you get in situations where it's it's not major injuries, sure, it's maybe not a starter or a top guy, whatever the case may be you always hope for those things but this is football it's a violent game no matter how much you try to protect people in practice because sometimes it's not even because of the violence it's just yeah guys you know you're practicing on turf field and you your knee goes like that and it's just I mean Avery Davis's first knee injury was a non-contact injury yeah right I mean exactly you know and that's the
1: that that's the tough part I mean it's 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 going to happen, but that's where the depth comes in. That's where coaching comes in, and you like. Of course, you you don't want it to happen to a front line guy, but it's how you overcome. It's how it's how you adapt and overcome. And I know that's a cliche, but it's true. I mean, that, that, it's absolutely true. So, yeah, losing Avery Davis, man, that was oh, yeah, that was hard. But here's
2: the thing: last year, Notre Dame was not in position to, to right. They couldn't up absorb up, Avery yeah. Davis. They couldn't absorb yeah. Avery Davis and no Joe Wilkins both being right. down at the
1: same time. Like that was right.
2: And you missed Mitchell Evans. Ha- I mean, think about right. the weapons you didn't have the first half of the season last year. You didn't have your number two tight end in, in, in Mitchell Evans, you know, Kane Barong was out, so he couldn't give you snaps and maybe step into that role. Uh, you look at uh, obviously Avery Davis goes down. Tyler Buckner gets hurt in the second game of the year. Joe Wilkins is out. Basically he had played, but he was not him. He was right. not healthy. Right. And then he finally went out completely and you say, boy, you know, you had to overcome a lot of stuff with a lot of stuff already kind of going on. Now, I f- the, the point that we're making is you, you're in a better position to absorb that. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you're one of those rare teams that it, it, you know, the injuries you have are like third string this guy, freshman this guy, sure. you know, stuff that's not not as not as devastating. Not that it's good for anyone to get hurt, but there's injuries that have a greater impact. That's the point we're making. That's just a fact. I mean, I, yeah. right. Yeah. so we'll we'll see how it plays out but but that's why those battles are so important vince mm-hmm. so that when you know and sometimes it's a you know who 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 was sitting there thinking a year ago like man well actually we kind of were thinking about that because he was always kind of threatening to leave but you know when logan digs you know you, you you look and see what happened there you don't really know what happened you just kind of get into some of those those different things but um you gotta you gotta have the depth to, to be able to handle those things right and you know, 2015, we saw that, right? I mean, Jerron Jones goes down. Jerry Tillery steps in and plays pretty well as a freshman. Yeah. Durham Smythe goes down. Alizé Mack steps in and plays on a, as a freshman. Uh, Torian Folston goes down on the second carry of the game. And I was expecting big things from Torin. Oh, yeah. Oh, CJ yeah. Procise steps up. Then CJ goes down. Josh Adams steps up, right? I mean, Sean Crawford gets hurt in fall camp. ACL injury. They don't have him. Sean Crawford steps up and has a really good 2017 season. I mean... Sean Crawford had basically – I'm sorry, uh, that was 2015. Who stepped up as the nickel in 2015? I'm trying to remember. Um, But you lost Sean Crawford, and you ended up you know, having to replace him, and you ended up being okay, right? That team ended up being pretty good. Now you're in a much better situation to – I was confusing 15 and 17 because Crawford got hurt, but Crawford was money in 2017. So you just look at these different things, Vince, and you say, man, you've got to be prepared – to absorb those, and that's why these camp battles are so important because if an injury happens during the season and a kid had a great fall camp, there's a level of, hey, that sucks for our teammate, we hurt for our brother, but I got mm-hmm. confidence that this guy's going to step up and play. Right. Why did, you know, the, the line, offensive lineman knew, like, man, he sucks losing Torian Folsom, but, you know, we, we know what CJ can do. We've seen this freshman rip off 70-yard runs in practice, Josh Adams. We just keep doing our job. We're going to be all right. And this team is better positioned for that than some of the past Agreed. teams. But that's going to be, that's going to, it's going to happen. It's going yeah. happen, man. And, and
1: you can't just go into a fall camp just holding your breath on injuries. Either. No. You know, you got, you got to coach, no. you got to play, you got to do. And, uh, you know, you got to just roll with the punches literally, figuratively yep. when, when they come. So another question that we've got going in, and this is, this is going to be an enticing one to uh, figure out the answer to, but, what does the offense look like under the new tutelage yes. of offensive coordinator Jared Parker?
2: Right, cuz we really don't know. We I mean, don't. We, we really don't. We can know. hope, we have some we, ideas. Right. right. We we can hope uh and we can extrapolate information it, it, that is and I'm given but like yeah, like we kind of have a somewhat of idea of of what the the play calls are. The the this concepts they're going to run. Sure, but that's such a I mean, that that's the byproduct of all the other things that make you an offense. Are they going to be disciplined? Right. And here's Mm -hmm. the the big question I have is like people say, well, you know, Jared Parker, the least the last thing I'm worried about with Jared Parker is what he does on Saturdays. It's the least of my concerns. I mean, most coaches are pretty good on Saturdays. I mean, if you're at a place like this more often than not you're you're not a bad coach you're a you, you know football you can design up plays you can call plays here's the here's what sets the the really good coordinators apart it's what they do in the preparation phases of the season sure it's are are in the perfect example is Charlie Weiss I mean Charlie Weiss is a brilliant offensive mind but once he lost all the veterans that had already been taught by somebody else how to line up block and tackle and and do the little things his teams were terrible despite having a t- of nfl talent right and they would always lose these games by like three points seven points six points i mean you know in, in 09 i think every loss they had in nine was by a touchdown or less they went six and six and every game was by a touchdown or less that's where those little things can determine if you win or lose those football games sure right you lost a football game in a game where your quarterback threw a pass on the and hit your receiver in the back and it got picked off near the goal line because your team just was never on the same page and so what's Jared Parker going to be in that regard? And, and we're not saying he's not going to be good. It's it, We don't know. Right. What is a Jared Parker offense going to look like on a day-to-day basis? What, what is their preparation going to be like? What kind of demeanor do they take? You know, are they going to be kind of laid back and chill and let's just run our plays? Or are they going to kind of have a little bit of an edge to them? Sure. That's coaching, man.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's got to stop at, start at the top and then bleed down in the assistant coaches. Like, are, are you guys playing with a little chip on your shoulder? Are you battlers? You know, do you, do you little? Do you play a little bit of P every day? You know, ah, do you, do you, how do you bounce back from your your bad days? Because every every unit and every side of the ball and every phase of the Notre football team is going to have a bad day or two in practice, It's
3: Absolutely. not a bad week.
2: Right. That's going to happen at Georgia. There's, it's going to yes. happen at Alabama. It's going to. It's a month of practices. I mean, in the heat, if, you know, and if one side of, of the ball dominates every single day, that that says more about how bad the other side is. So, so the point is, but you learn a lot about your football team in those days, right? Do your players sulk? Do, are they are they are they mad that you yelled at them? Are they just coach? It's just a Tuesday in middle of August, or right? Do they have a little bit of something to them to where they kind of come out that next day after getting their butts chewed out, and they say, "Okay, we got a little something for y'all today," right? That's that's kind of those are the things that we're going to look at and say I care I want to learn that about the Jared Parker offense more so than I know I know Jared Parker could could if Jared Parker like right now walked in into my house which isn't going to happen because he doesn't know where I live and said (laughs) hey you know you got this whiteboard over there let's set it up and I want to show all these Notre Dame fans how smart I am with X's and O's y'all would fall in love with that dude I I promise you you would because he's smart he knows football but I've said this to you a million times, Vince, and this is this is broadly true, not about Jared Parker. It doesn't matter what kind of football you know. It's can you teach your players Correct. how to play the game mm-hmm. with the right technique, the right fundamentals, the right focus, and the right attitude. Those things are – this is why I say it's process-driven. If Jared Parker is a great fall camp coach – and a great Monday to Friday coach, but he's just an okay play caller. This offense will be dynamite. Because that means the talent will be playing to his full potential. And it won't matter that you know what's coming. It won't matter because they're better than you. And that's why I say, and now if he's both, if he's really good at those and he's good on Saturdays, then this team doesn't lose. I mean, you know, that's the that's the extreme to one side. But if he's not a good camp practice, a camp guy, and he's not a good Monday to Friday guy, but he's a great play caller, they will always have that one mistake, that fundamental Mm -hmm. problem, that that one we weren't on the same page situation. That's the Charlie key moment that can cost you a football game. Right? Yeah. Right. And we saw that at times during Brian Kelly's Brian Kelly's tenure on offense too, where it was so focused on the scheme, 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 they didn't know how to line up and, and run routes, and they would constantly be misaligned and. And not be good at getting off the line, and, sure and that, but that's why, and that's why freshmen
1: couldn't get on the field because they were so concerned about scheme, 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 look at me, look at me, I'm smarter than you, and that that was the big that was obviously a problem, and so what is it going to look like for this offense? Is it going to be <clears throat> scheme oriented scheme scheme, scheme, or is it going to be otherwise focusing on fundamentals, all of that stuff? We are going to get a picture of that sure uh over the next few weeks for sure yes.
2: yes and and i'm very much looking forward to seeing that very yes. much looking forward to seeing that because and again we're not saying it won't be good or it will be we're saying we don't we don't know it's yeah. just this first fall camp is the oc at Notre Dame right right exactly and um uh, you know like i have optimism that it, 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 he's he cares about that because we saw the tight ends improve throughout the year fundamentally we saw their blocking get better and better and better and better and better we saw the route running getting better and better and better and better and better kind of like we did with receivers but it's one thing to do it with your position group of five dudes. It's another thing to establish that demeanor and that attitude and that focus with your coaches and then to your players. And that's going to be a big part of it. So I'm looking forward to seeing Mm -hmm. it, but, and that's why I say it's, it's a big question because it's an unknown. I think Vince, you and I are both optimistic about it. You've seen enough of him at camps.
1: Yeah.
2: I've seen enough. I've seen a lot of him at some practices. We saw him in the spring and I'm, I'm like, this guy, this guy kind of excites me about his potential. Sure. At the end of the day, we're now entering go time, right? Correct. All that's, it's easy to, you know, March is the easy time to, you know, because you know, you're still eight months, five, six months away from a game and there's not as much pressure. Like it's easy to do down to, okay, it's time to get going, man. It's easy to do the clinic talk,
1: right? It's, you know, you put your slides up, you do the clinic talk. It all sounds fantastic. Yes, because I have never
2: drawn up the plan of board that didn't work. Exactly, because I right. can manipulate. Well, if this guy comes down here, then this route's going to. Well, sure, you can tell the guy what to do if you can look across the field and say, "Hey, hey, safety, do me Three a favor. Saved. Three At steps, the step. snap. I want you <laughs> to take two steps this way. We're running a post route, and I can't do it if you drop right away. Right? So could you do me this solid and not? You know what I mean? Like, right? Exactly. I mean, those are <laughs> those are all going to be part of it. Right. And and we're going to learn that about Jared Parker. And and yeah. because I I feel Vince, your your team's personality gets the the foundation gets laid in the offseason but fall camp is when you truly find out yeah what your team's yep. what your heart is as a team right yep. what kind of character do you really have because no matter how much you push them in the summer and spring and there's nothing like fall camp man there's nothing like fall camp because there's now something on the line Yep. If you don't have a good spring yet, all summer and fall camp to work for it. Yeah, you. absolutely. If you don't have a good summer, you know what? But I still got twenty five practices in fall camp. If you don't have a good fall camp, then it's just like, well, this is who you are. This is just mm-hmm. who we are as a football team. Yep. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. And 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 as as you know, Vince, obviously, there's a little bit of of that on the other side of the ball as well.
1: No, there's no doubt. And one one of the things, also, the biggest question is, you know, when we look at this, we look for this every year when we go to fall camp. And we never know the answer to it until until we see it, right? And it's who's going to break out? Who's going to be that kid that we weren't really paying attention to that all of a sudden is like, hey, over here, I need to be on the field because of how I'm playing during fall camp. Happens every year. Who's it going to be this year? That is a big question going into fall. Right. And I, that's, See, that's one of the things that I love about fall camp is the unknowns, And that qualifies as one of the unknowns, like who is going to, and and it happens every year when you're coaching, it happens every year when we go and we're doing this job, it's always a kid. And when like, (laughs) for me, when I was coaching, like all during summer and like workouts and stuff. And like, you kind of know who the kids are and you're just like, okay, yeah, you know, I know what you're going to do and it's fine. But Then you, you put the helmet on, you put the shoulder pads on and you start playing. It's like, Oh, Okay, maybe it is this kid's turn. Like maybe the maybe it is his time, you know what I mean? And that's fun, man. Like that's one of the best parts of coaching. is, is seeing kids take that step and be like, "Okay, this kid's ready to play."
2: And right. it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it, it is. And we see it every year. It's just about who is it? Who is that mm-hmm. guy? And sometimes it's the guy you expect it to be, right? Sure. Like I think we I think you and I both I have to go back and read or listen to some of our shows, but I, I remember being kind of excited about what Audric Estime was going to bring to the table. Right. I mean, I yeah, he didn't play a whole lot, but man, I, I like this guy. I remember thinking Logan Diggs can be a really good football player if he just gets the, the chances. So we, I wasn't surprised by their breakouts last year. But you know who we else thought was gonna break out? We thought, hey, this is the year. Lorenzo Styles is gonna break out, baby. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. sometimes the guys you think are gonna break out aren't. Yeah. And it's somebody else. And and that's that's all part of that's all part of the a fall camp, man. Well, and
1: and here's one for you. Uh, 2021 fall camp. JD Bertrand. I, I'm gonna throw it out there because yeah. he was Maris who backup. Was this guy,
2: where'd he yeah. come from?
1: And Maris was just dominating. I mean, he was dominating, and he was the talk of the camp. But every time they put JD in, he was making plays too. Yeah. Intercepting balls, sacks, tackles. Yeah, Yeah. but he was playing with the twos, you know. And, you know, when Maris went down, everybody's like, oh, man, what are they going to do? And it's like, well, you know what? J.D. played pretty good. And then he ends up leading the team in tackles, and he wasn't even supposed to play, you know, or wasn't supposed to start, I should say. Hmm. So just another example of a kid that kind of came out of nowhere, and now he's led the team in tackles two years in a row. So
2: Right. um, And for some
1: people, is the most hated Notre Dame football player ever.
2: Probably the best – the best team Notre Dame had on offense in the last 10 years was probably the 2015 team. And I remember a lot of people saying, going in like, man, Deshaun Kaiser, man, if only oh. goes down you're screwed. Cause Deshaun's on the spring, spring. Game. and then Deshaun yeah. comes out and he plays really well. I mean, I yeah. remember I was thinking like, man, Torian Fultz is going to be really good. You know, CJ pro size, he he's, he's going to bring you some, you know, some big play potential, but, but there's no way he can be an every down back. He's never played running back before. Well, he was an every down back. He was a thousand yard rusher and then only played 11 games. You know what I mean? So there was always, there's always those guys that kind of emerge and break out. And you're like, Hey, this guy, this guy really stepped up and, and, and yeah. was a, a, a big time player for you. So I mean, Quentin Nelson as a redshirt freshman comes out and starting lineup. You knew he was talented, but you know, how good is he really going to be in his first year as a starter? Well, he was per- really flipping good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, you know how good's Mike McGlinchey really going to be at right tackle you know he started the bowl game and and all that but you know how's he really going to be and yeah. he was really flipping good you know i mean yeah. so there's always those those questions about we 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 might see some potential but man we got to we got to get we got to get rolling yeah. man you yeah. know you, you you need somebody to step up and who are those guys who are those breakouts going to be somebody's going to break out who are they going to be right that's a big question, and, and you hope that it's at the right positions because if it's all sure. like breakouts in one position, you may be really good there, but you're not going to be good somewhere
1: yeah, else. Yeah, exactly, and then that you're like, well, I can't get this guy on the field, and then you're looking at transfers mm-hmm. and all kinds of other stuff, so not, right. not the area I want to get into for sure. So what are we going to look for, Brian? When we, go, when, we, when we step on campus tomorrow morning, what are we looking for? We got right. some things that we got written down. What's
2: gonna, And what we mean by this is when we say, what are we looking for? It's not what are we looking at. What are we looking for? Meaning, what are the thing? What are some of the things that we're gonna see that's gonna make us say, "Yep, this team is what we think mm-hmm. it's going to be," right? Right. And yep. there's things like you know, depth emerges and all that kind of stuff. And we talked about the breakouts and Jared Parker's, you know, what we think he's going to be and all that. But there's five other things that w- that that we're looking for that that we think are gonna help us. Feel really good about where this football team is. And we will do a mailbag after this. So if you have some questions, go ahead and get those in. That's
1: right. MB and right baby. MB at the front. Makes we're going to address easier. this
2: blue blood conversation that's going on in the chat right now as oh, well. Oh, really? Man. So yeah. Oh, I mean, UConn uh, basketball. It's, it's it, no. No. Okay. This is a football channel. <laughs> This is <laughs> the football show. This is the big show, right? That's the new name we came up for this show, like the big show, right? It's the big show. I don't know if you all saw the new card and all that. We're now naming all of our shows, We've got recruiting hour, yeah, I Nation mean, Sports Talk. We didn't have a name for this show. It's the big, the big show, show. baby. Right? It's the big show. The big show. Um uh, we, we could maybe could have called the OG show, but like that's been lame and you're not always on it. So it yeah, right, yeah, right. That works out now. Yeah, the, these are the five things that when we come back after the practices that you know after the end of fall camp, if these right. are the things we see then I'm going to feel a lot better about, okay, this team is ready to be, be pretty good.
1: Yeah. And this, this, this first one is a, is a big one. Um, And it's, it's the defense tackling better and playing more sound football. It's massive. It's absolutely massive because I feel like this team has been in position to make plays, but they don't make them all the time. And in key moments, like the, the tackling has to be better, the soundness of the foot of 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 the uh, not routes but the, the the paths that linebackers are taking and you know all of these different things it just all has to come together it's all got to be better in year two of Al Gold. it just has to be mm-hmm. it has to be
2: yep look and this doesn't mean they can't be aggressive and can't attack it just means when you do it do it with some some rhyme and reason be sound. Right. Right. You know, so if you if you come up this great blitz and you and you get a guy to run free, but he comes in out of control at the quarterback and whiffs, guess what? That guy's now running through a hole that was just vacated by the blitzer, and he's running for twenty five yards. We saw that in the spring in the, in the uh, the second half of the Fiesta Bowl. There were several plays where Notre Dame guys made, made got through and had a chance for a sack and didn't get it done. Next, you know, they're running thirty yards. We saw this in the in the USC game last year. You had five or six times there ain't had a chance to bring Caleb Williams down to the backfield in moments that could have been game changing plays for Notre Big Dame, time. and they couldn't do it right. And sometimes it was about him just being really good, and sometimes it was about you took a bad angle, you didn't come to balance, you know, you fell right. for a pumping fundamental stuff. Yep, and, yep. and so you, this team has been a very bad tackling team for a few years now, right? This isn't a now golden problem, it wasn't a Marcus Freeman problem. This is a problem that even started back when Clark Lee was at Notre Dame. Sure. I would say from 2019 on. Notre Dame has been a very inconsistent tackling football team. I thought the 2018 team was a very good tackling football team. But since the post drew tranquil, Tavon Coney, Julian Love, uh, you know, and then, of course, once Alohi and Jalen Elliott were gone, even more so. But once that those guys were gone, Notre Dame has not been a good tackling team. Yeah. They have not. And they got a little better last year from where they were in 2021 and 2020. But they got to get a lot better. A lot better. And and yeah. doesn't mean you can't be aggressive because here's the deal. Clark Lee's defense was not at all aggressive and they still had tackling issues. So it's it's about fundamentals and technique and really emphasizing on a daily basis those necessary fundamentals and techniques. Mike Elko was a guy whose team they would practice turnover technique yeah. daily in yep. fall camp. And every position group had to do those different things. It was a, they called it the turnover circuit. Yep. It was the circuit. Yep. Absolutely. And and you watched them and you're like, I yeah, remember that. Thinking, this is awesome. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, you know, and, and then you get to it and you're just like, okay, then you start to see those things play themselves out. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, it, it benefits it. And you, you've got to teach those things. And I'm not saying other coaches didn't do it. I'm just making a point. Like, you've got to, you can't just ask guys to just be athletes and, Hey, here's the scheme. The scheme. What do they do when they get there? What do they do when the scheme gets them ready to, to, to be where they need to be? What's the the foundation you've taught them to be there? And that's, that's kind of the, to me, the, the big question for me. Absolutely. Yep. No doubt about that. And so what else are we
1: looking for A youth
2: movement on offense yes, is a sir. big one for me. And, and what that means is, is look, look, you're going to need Sam Hartman to be a big time player and, and Audric Estime is that dude, and we know. But here's the deal: this team is going to have to rely on sophomores and freshmen at some point. Yep. Even if it's a number, I mean, you're, you're you're hoping your best receiver is a sophomore. Sure. You're hoping a couple sophomore tight ends step up and play well. You're hoping that a sophomore steps in and handles the left guard. A redshirt freshman, right, steps in and handles the left guard position. A kid with zero career snaps in Notre Dame. You're hoping. That a couple of so- sophomores and a freshman emerge and take over as the depth at running back behind Audric Estime, you're going to count on a, at least one or two freshman receivers to step up. So if we see a youth movement this this fall camp, meaning we're seeing these younger guys, right? It's just kind of a catchy way of saying getting these see these younger guys playing really well. Notre Dame's veterans obviously have to play well, but they right. can't reach their full potential if they're if only the veterans are playing well this season. You're going to mm-hmm. need some of the younger players to step up and not just give you minutes, but give you impact. They need Billy Schrout to not just be a body to play left guard. Right, Jadarian Price and Jabron Payne can't just give a breather to Audric Estime. When you're in the game, you've got to be a playmaker. They they need Audric. They need Tobias Merriweather to be more than just you know catch 25 balls, 400 yards. Nice growth year, boy. But in 2024, you're going to be phenomenal. No, they no. need him to be somewhere in the middle at least this cool. season that's you the know floor. where he's at least yeah. a 40 catch guy this season right. and, you know at right. least 35 40 catches this year he doesn't have to be a 70 catches for a thousand yards he doesn't have to be that guy but he has to be a weapon yeah they need the sophomore tight ends to step up this year I mean if Kevin Bauman's your number two tight end he's a nice solid steady player but if but if Holden Stace wins that job and beats Kevin Bauman out beats Eli Reardon out beats those other guys out it's like you got a playmaker there yeah and so the, the and, and then of course a quarterback if something happens to Sam Hartman, God forbid, you need a, a young guy's gonna have to step up and play. And right. And that's just that's kind of where they're at. Absolutely. And you that's the youth movement.
1: I mean, let's be honest. We if we ever talked about a youth movement on offense in the past, for the most part, it was wishful thinking.
2: And, well, and and we but we did see be.
1: it late last year,
2: right? And that was that, Absolutely. That right. is true.
1: That is true. And that is the- PTSD coming back.
2: No, no. I mean, because, but here's my point though, Vince, they started eight true sophomores in the bowl game and scored 45 points and had over 500 (laughs) yards of offense. Yeah. Because they just put the talented kids out there and said, go play ball. Right. And they made mistakes, but they also made a lot of plays. Sure. And you had two sophomore running backs. Like think about this in the bowl game last year, your two running backs that, that combined for almost 200 yards were true sophomores. Your quarterback who racked up over 300 yards and five touchdowns was a true sophomore. You had two true sophomores at receiver and a true freshman as your rotation of receiver. Your two tight ends that played in that game were a sophomore and a freshman and your two bookends at tackle were sophomores, right? And they just said, hey, you know what? We're going to make mistakes, but these young guys are going to go out there and we're going to play. And they scored 45 points and over 500 yards of offense, right? <laughs> let the talent play. Yeah, good point. Right, let the talent play. And yeah, and that hasn't point. always been the case. And we're going to see, Marcus Freeman is, has said that he wants to do that, but it's easy to say that in the off season when there's sure. not a game on the line. Yeah.
1: Let's see if they can. Kind and bowl of games that. are different than regular season games, too. Just right. want to throw that out there, it, yep. from a mentality standpoint. So another thing that we're going to be looking for, uh, our third thing, is that the offensive line continues their dominance, right. and that that is absolutely critical. They're bringing back three guys, and they're looking for two guys to step up, essentially two to three. I'll say two to three based on uh, our conversation prior, but it need, it still needs to be a Notre Dame offensive line. You know, this can't be, you know, an along for the ride group of five guys that the offensive line will still dictate how good this team is. I mean, if they can't if they can't run the ball when they want to run the ball, pass block when they want to pass block, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This offense isn't going to be what we think it's going to be. This still has to be a Notre Dame offensive line. Absolutely. 100%.
2: Yeah, I mean, and we kind of saw early on after the Harry Heaston era, like, okay, this isn't the same team. They got some guys there, some talent there, but like, it it pretty quickly you knew, okay, things are different now. What we want to see is like, okay, yeah, it looks like a this looks like what this looks like what Notre Dame was on offense on the offensive line. So this, they're coming off hard, they're playing hard, they're they're pushing people around, they're 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 not catching. You know, those are all things. I mean, I'm going to be looking for that. We may not see it the first couple days of practice because there's not pads on. Sure. But once the pads come on, that's something I'm absolutely looking forward to. honestly, Vince, I won't be watching the offensive lineman a ton the first couple of days of practice. I'll watch them well, move There's around. no pads. There's right. No there's pads. no pads. Yeah. Right. Like I'll I'll watch them a little bit in one on ones because sure. you like see him run around and you know this guy looks good athletically and all. I want to hear but, Joe Rudolph talking to him. You know how's he coaching
1: him up? Like right that What's kind the of footwork? stuff. Yeah. Yes. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, but yep. I'm sorry, I there's certain things you can glean. Like at these at these camps and things like that, when 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 linemen offensive linemen specifically are not in pads and things like that, there, there's certain things you can see, of course. Yeah. There's no substitute for having full pads on and and just going. Like there, I'm sorry. There's no substitute for it. And that's what I want to see uh from these guys. And I, I know they're not even gonna be in full pads probably till next week, I would think, because it's usually two to three practices before. So we're not going to see them in full pads for a little while, so you're right. They're going to be lower on the list of things to look at, but mm-hmm. at the same time, still a very important piece. I mean, they they have yep. to be a Notre Dame offensive line, Brian.
2: Yep, agree, hundred percent. You can't yep. put that kind of burden on the skill on the on the receivers right. and running backs to hey, because Notre Dame has a lot of talent there. They don't have sure. the kind of talent where they can just do like they don't have LSU 2019 talent at quarterback and receiver. They don't. Sure, they do a tight end and running back, I think, but not a receiver and quarterback. Right. which means your offensive line can be solid. Doesn't have to be great. 2018 Clemson didn't need a dominant offensive line. They had T Higgins and Justin Ross and Trevor Lawrence and Travis sure. Etienne. And you know, all those kind of guys. No, Notre Dame has really good talent and receiver. They don't have that. There's no just with all due respect. Right. There's no Justin Ross on Notre Dame's roster this year. There just isn't. It, uh, there's no Trevor Lawrence. Sam, Sam Arm is a great player. He's not Trevor Lawrence, right? He's more right. experienced than what Trevor was He's that no- year, but. But but I hope know, nobody's putting them right, in the same thing. And, and Notre sentence. Dame doesn't have that defense either. Like as good as I think this defense can be this year, that Clemson defense was a top two or three unit that year. I mean, they lost a first round draft pick at nose tackle for the playoff and still were dominant because they just put another guy that was really good in there, Niles Pinkney. So th- they don't have that margin for error where Notre Dame can can dominate without their offensive as a team, without their lines being really good. Right. That, that, i mean correct. they don't have to be elite but they have to at least be really good because then the skill right. can then say okay we, we you're good enough we can take it to that next level right right and and that's absolutely the and then of course events number four is on the other side of the, ball. the other side yeah
1: the, the defensive line has to produce i mean they have to be if if this team is going to play championship level type football if this defense wants to take that next step the de- defensive line has to produce i mean they can't just be space eaters and you know that those that they have to produce they they've got to get in the backfield they've got to produce against what we think is going to be a dominant offensive line in in fall camp like i i want that's what i want to see and i know that's going to kind of go into our next point as well but like i i need to see some we need to see production out of these guys up front
2: yeah again talents there got to step up and do it Right, yeah. Yeah. right. The off season is the time to talk about potential. Fall camp is when the potential word needs to stop being used, and it becomes Correct. about production. And are we going to see that with the O line? It's like okay, just live up to what you were at. La- just keep that standard going. With the D line, it's kind of like this is where some breakouts have to happen, right? Like the D line can't play big time championship caliber football without breakouts. Mm-hmm. They If everybody plays the way that they did last year the entire year, then this D line is going to be going to be flashy, but not good enough to to really be a Anything better? Tending to it best, right? Guys got to get better. Guys got to yeah. grow. Guys got to develop, and we've seen that. I mean, Jerry Tillery went from being a a solid guy for three years to a All American. Sheldon Day went from being a, a good player for three years to a great player as a senior. We see this all the time. Sure, it's not abnormal. But now's the time. Okay, Riley, now's your chance. Right. You know, I'm sitting here talking about how Riley Mills has got a better. Uh, you know, disruption productions on a numbers on a per snap basis than Sheldon Day or Riley Mills. I mean, Sheldon Day or, or Jerry Tillery. Okay, great. But now you're going to get those same number of snaps. Right. You've if got you to maintain to that ability yeah. to play. Right. Right. Uh, Jordan patel had a great bowl game. He had a great game against Syracuse. He's shown flashes. But when you're the number one, you can't be flashy. You've got to be good. And good means you're, good. you're there every yeah. week. Yeah. Your, your your flashy games still happen. But when you're not flashing, you're still good, right? It can't mm-hmm. be five pressures, three sacks one week, and then you get dominated the next. Right, no Especially, show. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, I was great. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, I was great. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I was great. That's what you need to have. The, the floor has to be higher, and that's what you need to see from those guys. And, uh, you know, because, look, the linebackers are not – they don't have – look, you and I have, Vince, we, we are higher on the linebackers than others. That's, sure. that's truth number one. Truth number two is this – they don't have a Jalen Smith at a linebacker right now. That's they don't true. have a, a Jeremiah Usukor Moa. They don't have a Manti, meaning they are not good enough to where they can now make the line, the D line better. They're dependent on the D line doing their job, right. and then if the D line does right. their job, then the linebackers are going to shine. Correct. Right? But the D line has to do. They their have job. to work
1: together. They have. They have. It has to be a group effort from the front seven. It ha- absolutely right. has to be because they stars can emerge from both of those levels. If they work together, it's not going to be one or the other. Like there, I, I right. like you said, there's not going to be one guy on the D line that's just going to outshine and out dominate everybody, and or one guy on the in, in at the linebacker level that does that. That's not going to happen. But if they work together, there's going to be some serious production from the front seven because there is talent across the board. It's just not that elite, elite talent that can just do it all by himself. And I think that's a really good point that you make.
2: Agree. For sure. Agree.
1: The last part is one that I touched on earlier when we w- were talking about offense and defense and all of those different things. It's the back and forth battles. And that's, at least this is the way I took this one. It's that if the offense is dominating every single practice, we got a problem. If the defense is dominating every single practice, we got a problem. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say this a hundred times when you talk to your sources or when you talk to me about talking to your sources you want to hear man defense got us today man they just kicked our butt up up one side and down the other and then two days later it's like man the offense just yeah. you know, there's nothing we could do against them you know that that kind of it has to be both it, it can't be one or the other because if that's the case this is going to be a long season and it's not going to be the season that we right. anticipated but if it's back and forth if we're hearing one group is dominating and then the other group is dominating it's just it's just a battle it's just an absolute battle. I, and, or it's like what uh, was it Chip Long or Mike Elko? I forget which one told you that. Uh, like the offensive line when he was there was they they were truth serum. I like think Elko. You it, was, uh, it was Elko. Yeah,
2: because we were concerned that fall camp because Notre it was like ripping off fifty yard run after fifty yard run. I mean, it's like Josh Adams would go through whole practices and like get barely get touched. Right. Like this defensive line sucks. Yeah. Like that's our concern because I mean remember we had a little bit of PTSD because they sucked the year before. Oh yeah. Uh, in twenty sixteen. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. But it was just like he his kind of thing was like, no, we're actually better than you guys think. It's just y'all don't that offensive line is un, is is the most unreal <laughs> thing I've seen. I mean, he called them human lie detectors. Right, that's what it right? was. And then that's we get to the season, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, they were a lot better on defensive line than we thought they were. Yeah, really. it just was right. That's how good that offensive line was.
1: But they they need to be human lie detectors for each other. Like they, you need to have the defense do that to the offense. The offense needs to do that to the defense. It just needs to be a back and forth. If this team is going to be as good as we hope that they're going to be. So yeah, for yep. sure. Yep. All right, Brian. That's going to do it for our fall
2: camp preview. Yeah, Stick well, around. I want to ask you this, Is there oh. anything else that like that you're just like, man, I'm really looking forward to this that we didn't really get into? I'm I'm just I'm excited to see it. I just, you know, the receivers for me are definitely I'm gonna be watching them. Like, what are you watching? Like, not what are we looking for, but what are you I'm gonna be watching the receivers? early the receiver on quarters, the receiver quarterback
1: around. is going to be big for me yeah. like just the connection between yeah. them like my eyes like look if this is not a surprise to anybody my eyes go to the quarterback and the receivers sure. like that's just my natural situation right so there's no doubt that's what I'm going to be looking at um I'm also going to have I'm also going to be looking at the linebackers man like I want to see how they're moving around I want to see like, I don't know how much team obviously we're gonna see tomorrow because it there's no there's no pads it's it's helmets only you know that kind of and there might be some recognition there might be some things like that so, you know I just want to see who's who's running with the ones and the twos right off the bat that I mean that's honestly that's a huge thing for me that's what I'll be writing down who's I want to see with the ones who's running yeah. with the twos
2: and 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 I mean we'll have that down I don't really care about that on day one I mean you are putting the veterans out there sure. I want to see like okay. How do they? How do they? How are they doing in one on ones? Like, I want to see. I'm gonna be. I'm probably. I'm gonna probably watch more D line one on ones in this fall camp than I okay. ever have. Because okay, if if is Jordan Patel able to get wins against Joe Walt and Blake Fisher, right? Is Josh Burnham getting wins against those guys? Is Javante getting wins against those guys? And and why? If it's like, man, Blake's feet look slow and they're kicking his butt, then I won't care. And Joe looks like he's been eating cheeseburgers all summer, and then I won't care. But it's like if if oh, Joe looks like Joe and Blake looks like Blake. But man, these guys are are winning their fair share of battles like those type of things. Is Riley Mills I mean, let's be honest. He should have a he should be really good in fall camp. you mm-hmm. You're going against a red shirt freshman at guard and the other position is an un, you know, it's an unt- I want to know that Riley's making a lot of plays. So I'm really looking forward to things like that. I'm the D-line is really just something that I'm looking for. I'm really looking forward to seeing if- to seeing what he can do.
1: If I'm watching the offensive line, my eyes generally get drawn to Billy. Uh, At least it didn't spring. Like, that's one of the things that drew my attention was, oh, okay, this kid's a sophomore and looks pretty good. You know what I mean? So, like, Mm -hmm. Billy Shroud is definitely one that I'll look at. I mean, there's always going to be, like, one or two guys that are going to stick out no matter what group I watch, you know, that kind of a thing. Or guy Like, Xavier Watts, what kind of leader is he going to be on the field? Because – He was kind of brought along by people in the past, and and that's not a knock on him. He's learning a new position like thirteen different Mm -hmm. times. Like, but he's the safety now. What is that going to look like? Is he going to be the leader in that secondary? Is he going to be bringing Mm -hmm. the other guys along with him? You're going to be able to see some verbal stuff, uh, you know, from him whether they're in pads or not. Hey, you know, I want to see some of that verbal leadership out of Xavier. You know, I I could just, I could go down the list to be honest with you. We've got about two plus hours. I'm guessing to watch practice tomorrow. There's going to be so many things to watch. So many things to watch.
2: Hey y'all, if you're still asking about whether or not the rumors about Matt Baylor are are true or gone, like first of all, we did this at the beginning of the show. Number two, just go to the front page at irishbreakdown.com. We have a story. It's not a rumor. It's literally a press release was was released by Notre Dame saying it. So just go to irishbreakdown.com and you'll see the story it's right there for you. And we're not going to rehash something that we've
3: covered two hours. I'm not trying to be rude, but like,
2: you know, like we've already, we've already talked about that. Like we can't keep going back to that just because you jumped in the show late. Right. I mean, like, right. So yeah, it just, anyway, sorry, man. Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to fall camp. It's going to be fun. I just want to see a lot of battles. I don't see this team compete. I want to, I want to hear a lot. I don't want to hear a real quiet first day, honestly, Right now, that doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, it—that's more of a personal. I mean, you could be quiet because this team is focused, right? But I I don't know. I just—I like seeing a lot of emotion and a lot of energy. I I Mm just—I do. I want to see a team that's fired up. I want to see a team that competes. And I don't mean during stretch, like that's—that's false enthusiasm time. I'm talking about when they're going one on ones. I want to hear a lot of this. I want to hear a lot of hype when your guy makes a play. I want to see a lot. And we've been—we've watched teams where it's like they're just kind of going through the motions, man. Right. And like 2019, I'm like, man, there's a there's a lot of talent on this team, but this team just is kind of going through the motions, right? I mean, just you have some dominant players. And then they ended up just going out that year and out towning a bunch of teams. And then they, the two good teams they played all year, they got whooped. Yeah. yeah well, they got whooped by one. The other one, they competed. They just, but they couldn't step up and make the plays they needed to make to win. And, and so I want to see a team that has genuine get after it. Yeah. Fired up, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what so I want that. to see a lot of that
1: comes from the top
2: just saying so yeah see what that looks like too well to a degree but it also it's your personality i mean you know no it is but like
1: there are personality
2: of your team
1: there you go and and but and and the personality of the team comes from the coaches that you you know know when a coach doesn't want you to be all rah-rah hip-hop you know running around like you know, you know what I mean? Like there, there is part of that. Like I, I, yeah. I do feel like a team can adopt the personality of their coach or at the very least their, their position coach, you know, that kind of a thing. So I'm not saying I want to see the coaches all jumping around, getting crazy, but it's sometimes I do, you know what I mean? Cause sometimes mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. Like that, some of the, that, that was some of the most fun that I would ever have at practice yep. when we were doing like Oklahoma drills or one-on-ones or something like that, man. And our side wins and you can rub it in the face of the other coaches. You know what I mean? Like, I Mm -hmm. enjoy doing that kind of stuff and jumping around like Mm -hmm. an idiot. You know, that's that's the stuff I miss about coaching, if I'm being honest. It's that relationship and the jumping around and having a good time. So I want to see some of that. I do.